0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Gymnasiums are a place for people who want to go there to get therapy. Just like me, my mental therapy was to train to push my body, to use that energy to get rid of the energy, get rid of the adrenaline, dump the adrenaline, and then, you know, start again.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Ain't Weak to Speak. Thank you to everyone for being a part of this amazing community. Thank you for you guys for committing your own time to further enhance your self-development journey and yourself as a human being. I hope that this podcast is bringing you the wisdoms, the insights, and any tools to, to make your life better off. On behalf of the Living Team, we all want to say thank you for being on this journey with us so that we can help break the stigma around mental health and save more lives. Well, as you know, a commitment that I've made to myself and to you guys is trying to introduce you to the most insightful and amazing guests from all walks of life, where we can tear apart some of their wisdoms and their learnings so that we can take away into our life so that we can live better. And that's the beauty of this show. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome onto the podcast our next guest. His name is Danny Green, and I'm so excited to speak to this guy today because we actually met a few years ago back in Sydney when I was filming for a show on Fox Sports called Maximus Academy. It was a boxing show full of novices because I'm still a rookie in the boxing world, don't worry, and I actually had the privilege of being trained by Danny inside the ring, so I actually learnt firsthand, uh, and I got to see firsthand how good this guy is in the ring, uh, he gave me some tools and t- uh, strategies, which you know are invaluable. Anyway, we've kept in touch ever since. He's been a massive advocate for living, which I'm very grateful for. And he's uh, given me his time today on the podcast. But for those of you who don't know him, Danny is a former Australian professional boxer, probably one of the most well-known in Australian history. He's uh, won multiple world titles. He also represented. Australia at the 2000 Olympic Games. The guy is a freak of nature. There's not a lot that he can't do. And even on his transition, he's been applauded, I guess, of starting his own fitness and boxing franchise called 12 Rounds, which are popping up everywhere. So keep your eye out for them. Plus he's amazing philanthropy work that he's doing with the the Coward Punch campaign, which he started. And I'm going to speak to him about that and find out why that started and how it started and where that came from but without giving too much else away let's get him on the show he's about to go for a surf so i've stolen his time he's been very grateful to give that to me so thank you so much for everyone for listening this is going to be an episode you don't want to miss but without further ado let's get him on the show well i'm looking at him he's sitting on his uh, veranda overlooking the beautiful trig or scarborough beach there in perth mate welcome onto the podcast denny green
1: hey sammy how are you champion
0: mate i'm good i'm good i appreciate uh you taking the time out today to come on i know that you're 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 amping to go for a wave after this so i don't want to keep you too long mate how's things what's been happening
1: oh you know same as us all mate but i guess here in perth in, in australia um we're particularly shielded from this coronavirus so we've been very lucky the premier here's shut the borders down real quick the prime minister you know did a lot of things really quickly so because we're so isolated and we don't have the population density that most other big countries like United States or Italy or Brazil that are really starting to cop it hard now and will have copped it hard from the get-go. We don't have that population density, so we're we're in a position to be able to contain it and, and, and be really, really safe, So, in particular here in Perth.
0: Yeah, it definitely helps, doesn't it, mate, when you've got a, not, not such a dense population in an area. I mean, like we compare to, to places like New York or California, especially LA, like there's almost as many people in LA and the surrounding LA areas there in the, in the entire of Australia. There's so many things we can chat about. Obviously time is of the essence, but what's been happening, mate, post the boxing career? What have you been up to?
1: Yeah, it's been busy, mate. I guess I, I've been as busy as I was during it. Cause I was, I was kind of my own promoter and, and manager, you know, as such. So I, I had a, I had a really hands on role with my own career as well as training and fucking winning the fight. So you know, there's a lot of pressure, a, lot of, a, a truck a lot of stress and pressure involved, a lot more pressure than the average fighter has on them um, because they're not, um, you know, as involved and they're not running the show. And so, But I also set up my gyms, my business for life after boxing while I was still boxing. So I was pretty – my man was, you know, talk, said, mate, you're going know, to set things up if you can, you know, before you finish. So it's not such a, a massive transition. So it was pretty, pretty kind of seamless. I kind of moved in after boxing, finished boxing. That's hard to give away really hard to walk away from it, but um, I already had things going on. So I was busy, maintained, um, you know, what I was doing with the gyms. And, um, yes, yeah, 2014 and I had my last fight at the start of 2017. So it's kind of just been business as usual and a few other projects come along and I kind of dip my toes here and dip my toes there and have a look around here. I just keep busy, mate, but I'm I'm a fucking space cadet too, so that's always <laughs> difficult because, you know, I'm just like I see a fly on the wall and go, oh, look at that. So, um, you know, and uh, you know, I'm like... Easily
0: distracted, every, mate.
1: Easily distracted, <laughs> easily distracted. So How
0: did you go about that in the ring, mate, when, when you saw... How did you stay so focused in the ring?
1: I don't know, mate. I really don't know. My mates laugh and everyone in my family, my brother, mom, they, my family just go, hey, we don't believe that you actually did that because I'm the world's biggest space cadet. And But when I'd switch on, when the bell would go, when I'd get in the ring, that was it, man. Everything just went shut out. I could hear my trainer, I could sometimes there's 30,000 people in the stadium. I could hear my trainer's voice, I could hear my brother's voice, I could hear my two mates' voice that were in my corner that I tuned in before the fight, so the day before the fight, I said, voice. In the fight, BG and my brother, I said, I want you to say this only thing, I want you to say one thing only, don't fucking confuse shit. Angelo's the trainer, he's calling the shots. And we're, we're, we're a good tight team. I said, but don't confuse things, don't get excited. If you think I'm dropping left hand, if that's not your instructions for me to get my left hand up, don't say it. I want this guy to say it, that guy to say that. So my ears are tuned in to what they're saying, and they only say one thing throughout the whole thing. So it just keeps me constant. And the most important thing, like obviously, keep your hand up. Hey, hands up, hands up. Just keep your hand up and pump the left. That would be more, that was always my brother's thing, Just keep because my jab was what I worked off. Just keep pumping the left, double jab, good jab, hands up, get the left up. If I get lazy and Robert, he'd go, lift your fucking hands up. You know, so, and then one of my other mates would be Brooker, who's just a mate of mine, wasn't involved in my boxing, but just two of my close mates that so I said when I first turn, I said, hey boys, come on my corner and we'll just fucking have a bit of fun. I didn't know where to lead. <laughs> and so we, all, we went around the world and it was great. And, um, That's amazing. And, and their, their instructions might have been, you know, move to your right hand because I might have been fighting a guy who was really, you know, you know, left hook fucking heavy. So we moved to his right hand so I to avoid his left hand or what it may be, just certain instructions. So, I learned to zone in and tune out to what's going on outside there and just focus on the guy in front of me and just my job is to break you down, to beat you down, to stop you doing what I want to do to you. And that was it. And so, I really, really was – I guess I was super intense when I was in the ring than then outside I was
0: – Back to space cadetting.
1: <laughs> back to space cadet,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're hilarious. What, mate, I've got so many questions around that, like in terms of how you dealt with – you said earlier that you, a lot of the responsibilities, you know, promoting your own fights, a lot of the legwork you were doing as well as preparations for the fights, you know, leading into the fight, the fight itself. So you're probably taking on a lot more stress and pressure than what your normal boxer in this day and age would be doing. How did you deal with all that, mate?
1: I mean I had a, a really good team, so I formed a team. Um my original coach was my promoter and when I turned pro after the big games, he was my promoter and manager and trainer all in one, which was difficult. It's kind of a conflict. Because your promoter your manager can't screw the promoter for a better deal for his fighter if the bloke's the same fucking person. And he's mm. the trainer. Yeah,
0: so it, wow. was, it,
1: that, it was it was it was kinda of hard. My trainer would originally excuse me about then um, I turned pro under Jeff Fennec. And we did some great things. We won a world title together, and it, but I just needed to move on and do something different. You know, Jeff had a lot of things going on. It was just complicated, you know, with his life, and we just moved on. But we had some, you know, some good times together, and we won a world title, as I said. And I learned a lot of things from Jeff, but also I realised early on that when I was fighting, people were coming to see me fight, and so I was, I was, it's hard to talk about yourself in this way. But I was a draw card, so people were coming to see, me, and I, and I identified that people. I knew that people were coming to watch me fight because of my style and what I was. I was just, you know, I just good, honest walk-up fighter, so people enjoyed that. And then um, I didn't take myself too seriously. I was like, yeah, cool, fuck I'm going surfing surf and I'm out of here, catch you <laughs> later and see you next fight. And then um, so I guess, you know, started getting a good following and then I realised that people were coming to see me, so a very close friend of mine who was also my promoter and manager as such after that, so he was a guy who would do all the black and white stuff and he'd sign the deals and seal up all the contracts, but we'd obviously bounce things off each other and we'd agree and I'd go, no, nah, this is... I want this done, I want that done. he got go, oh, I think you should do this way. And i go, oh, and we come to an agreement. i come to an agreement. So he was great. His name was Justin Monologues, and Been my mate since I was nine. And one of my best mates and still is. So he was um, at the helm of Green Machine Boxing. And so then we formed a, a company and we put a, a crew together, a promotional company called Green Machine Boxing. And we put our own fights. We started with the first one here in Perth in 2002 and sold the stadium out within the stadium. stadium was sold out before the fight went ahead. And then just went from strength to strength. Then we... We promoted three of the biggest, and I was in the three biggest pay-per-view fights in in Australian history, and three of the biggest crowds there, and the biggest grossing fights. And it was kind of like I look back down and go, you know, we still laughing. at go, Fuck, a couple of space cadets. We did alright. <laughs>
0: yeah, you pulled you pulled it off. Very good, mate. Very good. So, so you guys promoted the Anthony Mundine fights too, yeah.
1: We promoted, yeah. We co-promoted. So Anthony Mundine's the biggest fight in like, pay-per-view fight, and the biggest numbers was um, me and Mundine first, the first one in 2006. Second biggest was me and Roy Jones Jr. in 2009.
0: And you knocked him out very quickly. We we must add there. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, And then I was still fucking pinch. And so yeah, and and Cody Nasir was Mundine's promoter. He's a stand-up guy, mate. Straight up and down, as honest as the day is long. He rubs people the wrong way because everyone because he doesn't he doesn't suffer fools, mate. Everyone thinks because he was one promoter manager that we didn't get along. I've got a world of respect for that man. He's a fucking great guy, and he respects us too because we did both those fights on a handshake, no contracts, nothing, handshakes.
0: Wow, really? Unheard,
1: unheard of, unheard that's of. Insane. but
0: insane. the biggest ones that happened in Australian. Yeah, you're kidding.
1: No, yeah, mm. mate, and that's the kind of guy he is, and he knows that's the kind of guy we kind of people we are. What we say we'll do, we'll do what he says he'll do. He, he does, and so he's a fucking awesome guy. So um, yeah, we we co-promoted the fights, those two there, and then myself and Roy obviously we did that Grim Machine all that. So, but then you got to take into account that I was almost my own publicist. I was kind of arranging all the media and doing all the media for it and getting all the media there, and then you know getting sponsorship and and, and But sometimes worrying about what fucking napkins going to be on the table at the at the at the, at the catering, you know, like. Just crazy shit.
0: It shouldn't normally have been your job. So what's the importance of having such an amazing team then, do you reckon, and trusting that team?
1: You're right in saying it shouldn't have been my job, but that's where the control freak in me comes out. So that was my own fault. So a lot of the stress was, was to my detriment. Could have been avoided by myself. But I just you're like, fuck, you know, I learned. And my old man had some good sayings, but it's a classic one and it's an old one, but you want something done right, you do it yourself. So sometimes I trusted things or, or, or put people in place that were doing jobs that they weren't getting done properly. So like, fuck, it, I'll do it. Another good saying my old man gave me that I stick by um, is number one thing that he told me is surround yourself with good people. So the people that I had working with me that we formed a team with, um, with Green Machine Boxing, they were all straight up and down, honest, and didn't give a flying fuck who I was. They just we, we were friends and family, whatever, and we just worked together. And yeah, jumps and downs in any business, and um, there's always success and failure. But um, it was just a matter of putting a good team together, and then trusting in what they're going to do, and just yeah, just let it all play out. But I I reckon in ten years' time, I'll probably look back if I can fucking remember what happened. I'll look back and just go, that's
0: wild. You know, it was pretty crazy. You miss fighting, like actual professionally fighting. Yeah. I didn't really like the other shit, Sam. I didn't didn't care for the publicity and the
1: media and the press conferences and the fucking doing signings. And it was great because I really enjoyed the people. People is what I fought for. I love I miss the people. And I was kind of fighting back when I first started in 2001 up until, you know, really 2010, 11, before social media came in. We didn't have social media, so you were just doing it for the people because nowadays social media is just, I hate it. I've got it and I use it, but I really, I don't really, I'm not a prolific user um, and I just find it's pretty toxic. But back then we didn't have that shit. We just had the newspaper and the radio and the TV to, to get our publicity. Old and, school. Yeah, and fans rolled up to the fights because they'd see it in the paper. They didn't know about it on social media. They just came out and I think 2010 or, came out, or 2009, or whatever, when we started using it for the fights. But yeah, I miss the fights, mate. I miss the training camp. The number one thing I miss is going into training camp and just sacrificing everything, going off the gog and just fucking just tuning in and zoning in as a fighter and just living, breathing, eating, being a professional fighter, I love that, mate. I love just every day getting up sore as fuck, training hard, punching on with my sparring partners and then, you know, just working towards a goal. i got a goal here, that's where I want to be in the fight night, start here eight weeks out, just make my way up and get there, and and then the fight itself is fuck, mate. It's a it's a sin, it's, a, it's an insane rush. It's a fucking insane rush. That's insane. It's, it's so good, mate. And then that's what you miss that that rush, that fucking that, that adrenaline on fight day. And I, another thing you miss is people don't realise is when you're fighting and you're you're at your peak fitness, you are literally as fit as you can be you're never going to be able to get any fitter. So when someone says, oh, he hit his peak, you can, You get to your peak and then you hit it and you hold it for a day or two or three and then you come down. So you can only get to your peak. So most AFL footballers, NRL um, footballers, they won't hit their peak. Their job's harder in effect a, in a, in a because they've got to maintain about 80% all year through. Because if they hit their peak, because when someone hits their absolute peak fitness, can't get any fitter and then you come down. You've got to come down. So you got to come really? down. So those guys got, yeah, you can't get, you can't hold a peak for longer than three or four days max. Wow. So you hold that, yeah, and you got to come down. So fighters go up and down and up and down because we can hit our peak, because we can hit that for the event. So let's say, I don't know, I'm just thinking of another sport, you know, the Olympics, 100-meter run, like Usain Bolt, he hits his peak when he hits that. So he doesn't compete every week like an AFL team does. He competes at World Champs, packs, Olympic Games, and he hits the fucking European champs, say, so, so he hits the highs for that. So he'll come in at that 100-meter race, and he'll be peaking on that night. And the night before, that night, or the night after, the day after, he's as fit and as strong and as fast and explosive as he can ever get. And then he's got to come down. It's like a horse race, mate. You've got to turn the horse out of pasture. Same as a fighter, same as an athlete in most sports, some sports. You can hit your peak, and then you're there. So when you hit your peak, you're fucking hyper, super hyper vigilant. So I come in the change rooms and I'm putting my gloves on, my trainer's putting my gloves on. He's talking to me, we're talking shit. I can hear my brother talking to someone. I can hear my mate at the booth on the door, not letting people in, having an argument with some fucking trying to get in. I'm having to listen to the referee at the same time, giving me instructions before the fight in the change rooms. And you're hearing all these things and you know what's going on. You'd be going, hey, mate, 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 mate. And because you're just so hypervigilant. It's like, you know that movie Limitless?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just fully on. You're fully yeah. on. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're popping. It's, 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 it's crazy. You miss that. That... That natural high, that natural fucking rush of just being in the best shape of your life, you know, that's the part you miss too.
0: What about, mate, I'm interested to know, and we talk about hitting peak performances and your elite state of mind, so to speak, and and you're feeling good, you're looking good, your, your adrenaline's rushing, your confidence is an all-time high. And let's talk about, you know, your world championship win, for example, and you've come off a big win. What's that after effect like? Because... I want to see if it's anything like it you know when i get up and deliver a talk at a keynote in front of a thousand people or i'm acting or whatever it is in my life i have this high and then after it i, I crash severely and it's really important to manage yourself on that on that downward trajectory i'd like to call it
1: yeah it's I me mean, and, and it's no difference to my high and coming down so no different to your high and you're coming down whatever your high is whatever that adrenaline rush is where you're in front of a thousand people you know your adrenaline's jacking it you know, fuck like you're nervous and then you hit it and you, and you do well. You've inspired people. You've given people something they can go home and take away with, take away from all your talk is, you know, you feel good. You're like, it's even better. Sometimes you might do a talk and you might a fight. You might not perform as well. You might be a bit flat. The come down might not be as much because it wasn't, you didn't get as high. Naturally, anything where there's adrenaline and it's your high, it's the same feeling. So for me, you'd have that massive rush. And then I, I generally, I, I, probably getting the piss, you know, for a day or two with my mates and, you know, celebrating. Beer was my go Didn't didn't do drugs or really. anything. it's just, just got the beer. That's the Irish in me. Have a, have a bender for, you know, a couple of days and just, you know, enjoy the rush. And some, most times you didn't really need to drink because you're so excited because you put in so much work and you've sacrificed so much. You've been away from your family for eight weeks. You've been in a lot of physical pain during that time and you might have gone through some of the fight, a lot in the fight, So the come down is just a natural, you know, I wouldn't sleep for two days. Couldn't sleep because you're just like, fuck. Then um, the come down, three or four days later, you wake up, you know, go out and get in the coffee shop and you're kind of just a bit like, just a bit flat because it's natural because when you dump that much adrenaline, your body comes down mentally and physically. It's really about the adrenaline dump for an athlete myself, because you dump that much in the lead up during the fight. After the fight, if you're successful, celebrating, etc., and then the euphoria, it's just amazing. The change rooms after the fight, when my close family and friends, when you've won a big fight that you probably weren't supposed to win when you're an underdog and you win, change rooms after that fight is the part that I miss the most because then all your mates come in and, and only people that you want in there that you love and, and, and friends with and that you know, love you are in there. And it's just a killer fucking, it's like a, just a little hot box of euphoria, mate. It's natural. You know, it's real. It's natural. Um, that's heavy. It's, it's so good. And then, you know, to drive home from the stadium where you've won and you carry wheel bells, <laughs> you're carrying your title title title, you with your family, you might have a tube in your hand and, you know, you're driving to somewhere where there might be an party. That's just such a great feeling, mate. And then um, ring your kids. Yeah, they're fucking pumping. Yeah, dad, wicked. But, yeah, the come down, I manage it with training.
0: Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
2: JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: For me as a fighter, I was always in probably 80% condition 24/7 because I'd need to have that otherwise I'd go crazy and I would come down and I would do stupid shit so I just trained to keep my mind active and to keep my mind ticking over and to keep my mind fresh as i worked my body hard I'd fucking work myself into the ground very soon after the fight if I could um you know there wasn't too many injuries I'd just fucking work mate and train hard and that was it really and keep it simple and just keep it real simple
0: yeah, wow, and then so literally after these massive achievements, you, yeah, you might have a day or two celebrating, but it's back to business as usual. Work hard, be disciplined. Yeah, mate, that's that's inspiring. And how, if I ask you this, what, what what's been probably the most challenging time of your career when you're in, you know when you're actively fighting? Did you ever have inner critics going, "I'm not cut out for this. I should throw the towel in. I should retire early. I'm not good enough." Did you ever have those? internal self-doubts, that most of us have self-doubts on a day-to-day basis, no matter how good we are.
1: If I had, um, say, Van de Holyfield or Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali or, you know, some legend of the fight game going, no, this guy's no good, he can't make it, he's, he's you know, he's too slow, he's too old, whatever it may be, then I'd be like, oh, far out. You know, they're experts, they know their shit, <laughs> they're the fucking legends and they're saying I can't make it. Jeez, that would, that would have really... Put a, I reckon. Put a nail on the coffin. But when the criticism is coming from people you don't know, and from some reporter who's you know hasn't seen his dick pissing since he was 25 years old because he's got too much of a gut, when you're hearing that he's saying that, or you're reading that he's saying that, you know, you've done this wrong, or you can't do this kind of I, I I I get amused by it. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Fuck, have you ever done, mate? You couldn't, you know, you can't tie your shirt laces up. You are telling me I can't do this?
0: Come on, mate. There's no facts, there's no facts in what they're saying. There's no credible facts. There's no
1: validation behind it. Mm. can't validate what they say because it's just it means nothing from you. So I, don't really, I never really took much notice of that mate. It was If my old man had, said, "Hey, you've lost your desire, you're too slow, mate, you, you, you know you are slu in your speech or you' walk away, or whatever it may be, but come with someone that I loved and admired and respected, then that would have resonated a lot more than just some bozo on the street or some bozo on social media. Or with always not much respect, some bozo writing a story who might have an info you, because there are those kind of reporters out there. But I was I was really lucky. But I had a really good, a very good relationship with the media. You got, I got burned a few times, but generally as a whole, I was lucky because I was straight up and down. So I don't think I think if someone was to write something that was derogatory and not true, I think they'd feel pretty stupid because I was pretty straight up and down. So I didn't really give them the opportunity to rip me in your arse or be pricks. But you got to wear it, mate, you take the good the bad, but probably a, long, a long-winded answer, mate. I didn't really take much notice um, when people were talking and saying that I wasn't able to do it. it a, it made me want to go harder, because I knew in here, that's where I knew if I, if, I, if I felt it and I wanted to do it, even if I couldn't do it and I was kidding myself, as long as I was doing the right thing and doing it for the right reasons, who, and I wasn't hurting anyone, what's, a, what's the problem? I tell kids today, you know, kids says, I want to go to the Games for soccer. Want you be in the Australian soccer team? And then, you know, you might hear someone say, You fucking dreaming and I know the kid's dreaming. He's dreaming, yeah, he ain't gonna make the soccer team for Australia. But why would I bust him and say, mate, don't you let anyone tell you, you can't make it? Because eventually when he does fail But all the good things he's done before that failure and hopefully he's grown and matured as a person and he sees, hey, I'm not good enough now, but I didn't realise, but nothing wrong with that guy going through 10 years of striving striving and trying and and, and all the good things he's achieved and all the positives he's achieved during that time, all the friends he's made. The lessons he's learned. Yeah, and he's uplifted himself. If someone had said, no, you can't do that 10 years ago, where where would the kid be in 10 years' time? You don't know.
0: Yeah, true. Very important, mate. I like that. It's a lovely point. To, to make clear yeah it's, mate it's amazing I want to ask one more question before we move on and, and talk about you know this great work that you've done with the Coward Punch campaign mate I think it's amazing as far as Mundine goes you and Mundine we look at the media mate I'm an avid boxer fan mate I, I've met you a number of times you're an amazing man you know you read media you watch news outlets a lot of it's for, for the sale of tickets for, for a better word to say but what's the relationship like with Anthony Mundine no,
1: there's no relationship there, mate. I don't know him personally, really, I mean, I say so I don't know him. I, the first time I ever saw him in the flesh was when we fought in 2006. I'd never seen the guy actually in the flesh. We had separate weigh separate press conferences because, you know, the fuckwits that were around him would have caused trouble and they would have done their best to cause trouble because they're fuckwits. There's a couple of really good guys around, but there's, there was also, I reckon he's turned the fat over the years, but there was some real fuckheads. And they're just big mouth fuckheads who are going to cause trouble, who, you know, so they would have said something, stupid, would have started something and, you know, say something crazy to myself and my friends and maybe throw a bit of marble. then, you know, the mate gets thrown back. And so we didn't want that, mate.
0: Yeah, no, nah, stay clear. Yeah, you
1: know, or as much as I would have liked to let, let my mates, you know, off the chain and let them slap these bozos, um, <laughs> it would have been a bad look. And, but anyway, yeah, you know, I never really met him we did a few press conferences and then um, we did the jungle show, but we fought before that. You know, I really don't know the guy that well. People say, oh, it's all just to sell tickets or to to, to sell the hype and to make pay-per-view figures higher. Nothing to do with that. I genuinely don't know. He generally doesn't really know me. I don't dislike the man. I disagree with some of the things he said. I agree with some of the things he said though. There's lots of things he said I agree with. His delivery was very poor, though. He had very poor delivery in what he was trying to get across. He, he couldn't get across what he was trying to say, and he said some ridiculous, stupid things that harmed him. Didn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. All I care about is that I'm a better fighter. That's all I give a shit about. I know I'm a better fighter. Unfortunately, I get to prove it in the first one. Second one, I won the fight. But I didn't get to knock him out. I just know I'm, I've fought better fighters. I've beaten better fighters than him. My resume is better than his on paper, let alone in the ring. But um, all I care about? Is, is I'm a better fighter. And he thinks that he's a better fighter than me. And so he's gonna to go to his grave saying, I'm a better fighter than Danny Green. So I just, I just said my name like a wanker, because I mean, I'm used to hearing him say it. He, he's gonna say, I'm a better fighter than me. And then I'm gonna to go to my grave knowing I'm a better fighter. That's where the competitiveness comes in between us, mate. It's nothing personal. Our beef and our dislike and our rivalry is absolutely genuine. There's no bullshit, it's absolutely genuine. But when you get older and you simmer a bit and you have a bit of wisdom, a bit of time to reflect, it's nothing personal. I'm just a better fighter than him. And, and that's it. And I do know and I know some a lot of people around him, because I know a lot of people in the indigenous culture, mate, and always have been, you know, involved with the indigenous culture. And he probably didn't realise that from a long way back. I know that he does some good things in his community and other and, 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 and the general community. He's, you know, by all accounts he's a good fellow with a good heart, he'll give you the shit off his back. I prefer to look into more of the positives about a bloke and what some bozo on the street says and what a laugh about too It's some guy goes oh mate I'd beat him or I could beat that bloke he can't fight mate the guy was a world champion he's a he was a fucking incredible fighter and first grade premiership player for rugby league like who does that two very tough sports and he conquers both of them in one lifetime that's a pretty special individual mate
0: thanks for sharing mate appreciate it. it was something I wanted to ask and mate Answered it like a true champion, mate, and I appreciate that. As far as 12 rounds go, mate, I see these things. Mate, they're popping up everywhere. What's the go here? What's what's doing?
1: Yeah, we started that in 2014. I've got two gyms here in Perth where I live, Sammy, um, called Green Zone Fitness, and they're bigger, 24 hours, and they're kind of one-stop shop for everything. But the 12-round fitness one is a, is a franchise we started. We didn't realize where it was going to go. We had an idea, had a concept, let's mix boxing with functional training. Everyone loves boxing, but they don't want to get hit. They want to use boxing as a way to get fit. And then functional training is obviously, you know, I've always done the functional training. So I've always been doing those sledgehammering tyres, running around with a tyre attached to attach my back off a belt. I'm just doing, you know, a lot of body weight stuff. I've never really been involved in heavy lifting because it's detrimental to my sport as a, as a, as a, to fight in a weight division unless I was a heavyweight. So I've always been involved in that functional training, obviously boxing. So I want to mix the two together and put in one concept so we tried it in my first gym here and it went really well people loved it so my partners are from brisbane and we opened the first one over in brisbane in the city there it went game buses in 16 we sold our first franchise in brisbane as well now we've got 78 around the country and two in new zealand and one in singapore and we're looking to the uk and we'll be in the states pretty soon sammy we're coming to the west coast um very soon within within a year we're we'll over there mate
0: I'm sure you've spoken to people through the gym day in, day out, that say how much this benefits their, their psyche, their mental health, their well-being, their physical health.
1: Sammy, I was only ever in fight gyms, so I, I didn't really go to gyms, you know, apart from going to a fight gym around the world. So I was never really involved in, in commercial gyms as such, fitness gyms, until I like own. And then I realized that gymnasiums are a place for people who are lonely. Gymnasiums are a place for people who want to go there to get therapy. Just like me, when I my, my my mental therapy was to train, to push my body to use that energy to get rid of the energy, get rid of the adrenaline, dump the adrenaline, and then you know start again. So I've realised that gyms are really a place for people who want to be involved, they want to be a part of something. And so um, you know the gyms we've got in in the green zones, the number one feedback we get is about our culture, and it's a wanky word, but the culture and the community and the atmosphere and the environment, is yes, people. People just feel part of a family there and that's what we want. And especially people who are lonely or suffering physically or mentally, hey, you know, come in. It's a sanctuary for them. They feel safe there. They feel secure and they feel part of something. That's the main thing is they feel part of a big group. They feel part of a small family. It's a big group, but it's a small family. It's really kind of, it's really cool. And so the 12 rounds experience is, is similar, mate, similar to that.
0: And it's very important. You hit, you hit it on the head there. I mean, finding purpose for people and being involved in something greater than themselves is is very therapeutic for the most part you know and it helps certainly
1: we get so many people come down mate and they just don't belong in the gym they just they, they physically like they they hardly even lift they just but they're just happy to cruise along sit in a treadmill of five k's an hour walk get out mate how you going have a chat have a fucking have a yak to someone get in the back they might pump out at two push-ups and then sit in a, um, and just sit on machines doing things that you know they don't know what they're doing. I'll walk over, hey, try this, try this. Yeah, thanks, thanks. And I'll tell them exactly how to do it. And then the next day they're doing the same thing they were doing the day before. But they're just happy to be there, mate. They're happy to be part of it and just to feel welcome and to feel secure and feel part of something. And that's what I love more than offering a, an amazing facility an amazing concept that people can get fit and strong and healthy with. I love more the fact that they can be part of a club or a family and feel wanted or know that they are wanted and feel... Feel happy and feel hey, that's my family, it's my friends. That's what I like more than the actual fitness boxing, functional stuff. That's all black and white shit, mate. We have to know our stuff with boxing. We have to be teaching and guiding people safely with this functional stuff. They have to be safe. They have to be secure. They have to be getting better. They have to achieve their goals, otherwise they're not come back. What's more important for me is making sure the trainers are aware of who needs a bit of lifting up that day or who needs a bit of you know, who needs hammering and pushing to to get their fix mentally, who needs to work really hard to get their fix up here. It's more about here. Gyms is way more about
0: here than it is here. Mentally, definitely. I I agree more, Uh, mate. I agree very much with that, especially, you know, as an, yeah, as an, you could say an escape, place where you can go and escape and, and deal with, you know, emotions, feelings and, and, and get them all out on the table and feel good, get that positive endorphins rolling around, meet new people. It's a great place. Like if you're lonely and you go to a place that's very community driven, what an amazing place to meet other like-minded people that, you know, you probably get along with very well. That being said, mate, I want to know, and before we wrap up, I want to talk about the Coward Punch campaign. Where did that come from? What was the burning desire for you to make a stance in that in that regard? And try and make a change because, mate, you are making a change and I see it in the headlines every now and then. So obviously you're doing something correctly. Where did it all come from, mate?
1: It's about people getting killed for no reason and, and, and people – Smashing people for no reason, thinking they're tough. You see them on YouTube, you see them on now, you see so much on, on social media. People cracking people and thinking they're tough, but you know, cracking them for no reason. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with two guys having a fight. It's so, you know, it's no problem. It's an agile way to work out a difference. You know, sometimes you see it, and it's two guys that are, are organized and they're having, a, they're having a fight and they're sorting their differences out. If it's a fair fight and it's okay, and you know, and something happens, if two guys, me and you, go, "Hey, I don't like you, mate," and let's sort that shit out, and we agree to it, we get outside, and you get hurt. Well, mate, you you, you sign up for it. It's not as bad as it's just someone walking over and just go, bang, just cracking someone for no reason or little to no reason. They might bump him and then that's it because they're pissed or they're high. They go and do that, and I just I just got tired of people thinking they're tough, and especially nowadays, people applaud it. They they clap it and they applaud it when someone knocks someone out from behind. Well. Like, you know you, you, you're, just, you're weak as piss. made an ad and paid for it and uh, got it filmed and it was on tv and approached the government and you know here we are now eight years later it just, it's just gone gangbusters and got federal funding for it and this you know we do we do an annual dinner in melbourne and it's had a lot of traction we're now judges and magistrates handing down decisions referencing the term cowards punch
0: i saw that mate that's huge
1: Front page, newspapers, cowards, punch. so it's an awareness campaign. We don't raise money, it's a non-for-profit, like we don't, I've been paid a sack for eight years, it's cost me a shitload to do it. But it's what it is, mate, and it's more about in 10, 15, 20 years time, some bloke's out and about, and he thinks he's gonna go and crack someone and sort someone out, because he doesn't like them, but he's got no real problem with them, and he's not gonna sort out face-to-face as a man. He'll, He'll do it, you know, from behind. Well, hopefully his mates will go, don't do that mate, or himself, he might, it might trigger a oh, cow as much, because you know, to get caught a cow is a shit thing. So it's more just a branding thing, it's a branding exercise, like Slip Sob Slap, like Drink Driving, like Quit Smoking, it's taken 30, 40 years of of, of continuous pumping the, the psyche of the, of the public, hey, put a, sun, put a hat on, put some sunscreen on, put sunnies on, whatever it may be when you the sun. People are still dying from it, but it's dramatically reduced reducing numbers, Drink Driving. Not many people, you know, drink, drive anymore and quit smoking. A lot of people give up smoking, so people still do it. They're still dying, but it's
0: fixed. It's very similar with, you know, the message, it ain't weak to speak, and empowering people to speak up and seek help that might be suicidal, that might be struggling right now with a diagnosable mental illness or having a really rough, shitty day. It's all part of the awareness because that message definitely does get through as best as we can, mate. That's, that's cool. And to see that on, you know, getting handed down now via sentences and judges and it's on paper and you're getting great Great traction with it, mate. It's a testament to the work and and the resources and the time that mate you've no doubt put into it. So, congratulations on that boom back at you, mate. Yeah, with, what with
1: living, yeah, mate, it's, it's great. It's huge. It's it's, quite, it's, it's 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 you see it everywhere now, and you know what it is. Before you might have seen the the living T shirt, you go, know, oh, "What is that? What's that about?" You know, but now everyone knows. And it just and as you've done, mate, it takes time. Just you got to pepper away, and it just keep chipping away.
0: Yeah, just keep persisting and keep uh, staying true to why you're why you're doing it, what you're up to. And I, I think it's remarkable how you've reframed the whole thing. You know, from going from a one punch or a king hit, which are normally accoladed as probably in some people's lives is like a cool thing. Now you've flipped it all on its head and said it's a coward's punch. I love it, mate. I think it's it's <laughs> I think it's unreal. But mate, um, I do appreciate all of the time that you've spent here. I know that you get yeah you get about to get your gear on and go for a wave. Um, so mate, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time, your insights, your wisdoms. Uh, no doubt that this will inspire our listeners in some way, shape or form. Please look after yourself. Let's stay in touch, and um, mate, like always, keep living.
1: Yeah, good on you, Sammy. Keep up the great work you're doing, buddy. You're helping out a lot of crew, mate. It's a uh, you know it's it's. Pretty cool to see, you know, especially young fella. And you've been doing it for a long time, you know. It's been going a long time. So you've obviously had that seed that you've planted and it's really grown, it's germinated, it's, it's flourished. So well done to you, buddy.
0: Big round of applause to the team, mate. Very similar to to your journey with boxing and everything else. Surrounding yourself with the right people has certainly got living to where it is today. And, you know, we thank all of our living community.
1: And um, look, after yourself, stay safe over there, Sammy, and keep in touch, buddy, and hope to see you one day for a surf, mate.
0: Sounds good, mate. Thanks so much, Danny. Have a good day, bro. All right, legend. See you, Sammy. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, later, See you, bud. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together. Because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat. Please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you, and have a top day. Hold
2: up.